Hello and welcome to another episode of Higher Like Maths, which is all about how maths can improve our mental and intellectual abilities. My name is Linda. I'm the host of the show. I'm an applied mathematician. I completed a PhD in it. I teach for different universities in Sydney. And I'm also the founder of Bungie Pi, which helps children learn maths using storytelling, fun animations, and real-life application. Higher Like Maths is my own initiative to populate maths in your society, talk about advantages of doing maths, and introduce great minds in the space of mathematics and its applications. Today, I have a great speaker who is George Papadopoulos. Yes, you got it, Greek name who is applied mathematician and maths educator with heaps of knowledge and skills. He's young, but he has a lot of stories to share. He's been working with children and also uni students for quite a while. Before giving you more detail about his background, I would like to ask you to subscribe to our platform and support us. George is Australian with Greek background. Uh, he's born in Sydney. He has completed a a bachelor degree in advanced mathematics and master degree in applied maths. In uh, 2012, he started a PhD in uh, mathematics education at the University of Sydney. He has also a great uh, teaching experiences, um, working with uh, children and uni students for quite a while. He is fun, so I invite you to listen to him. As a successful painful. maths educator, what's uh, your pain point? The, the biggest pain points is when you are restricted by, um, you know, red tape, for lack of a better word. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> because ultimately um, universities are corporate entities that are designed to turn a profit. Um, education is a very noble cause, but a university is still a business. Yeah. Oh, and I it still needs to that. turn a profit. Oh, but yeah. different universities have different levels of corporatization. Yeah. Right. Um, but in every university, there will be red tape, you know, yeah. and there will be bureaucracy. And um, for um, young or enthusiastic or um, really ambitious educators, right. especially in, in math space, in the math space, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot going on in maths education. Um, yeah. You can be really limited by the bureaucracy of the department that you work in. Right, right. More so than others, depending upon where you work. Yeah, yeah um, I do get that. That's a, that's a big pain point. Um, and so you can't, if you want to become successful um, uh, in, as a maths educator, you, you, you can't just be good at teaching maths. You need to be good at navigating the corporate space and learning so. how to manage the limitations that you have yeah. um, and work within those, those parameters, right? Yeah, you're right about that. It's pretty annoying, this bureaucracy and the business aspect of um, doing education. Originally, I was, I was thinking that university, it's a place that, um, you know, that business shouldn't be there. I mean, we're here for, uh, for educating people and we're here to, you know, the science, particularly science, particularly maths, 
right? I, I thought that this should be a completely free space that you can like, be creative and you can do all different sorts of stuff. And uh, no one should stop you and say, hey, this is the rules, this is the regulation. Well, we do understand that, you know, the rules and the, the, the basic ones, and you not you don't want to cross that. But it's all about the formatting and sometimes you don't like some teaching style sometimes you like to to create different sorts of content and you think it's more useful but but it's just going through all those painful bureaucracy and rules things is you know piss you off really simply piss you off yeah but to be fair i think that this sort of thing exists everywhere unless you know you own your own business or maybe you know you work for a local fruit shop or something like in yeah. general you work for yeah. a large business or a large corporation this true. always exists this, it, yeah. in any industry not just education yeah you know? oh, no. so, yeah that's true. um and and sometimes it's necessary so that things run smoothly you know because you know if a 22 year old maths educator comes along and wants to change this this and this they could they could potentially, you know, upset 100 years of stability, you know. <laughs> That's true. You know? Um, so sometimes, um, you know, sometimes these measures are necessary. So, you know, I, I can understand that as well. Um, I think uh, I think another <laughs> massive pain point, um, which also exists for school teachers, is the amount of hours that are paid versus the amount of hours that you work. Right. Um, this is particularly dangerous for casuals. Mm. Um, and I, um, I honestly, in my opinion, made the mistake of staying in the casual work sector for too long. Right. Um, and um, I now I'm completely out of the casual work sector. But right. up until I was, I was a casual worker up until literally April this year. Oh, you know, right. And I've just turned 35, right? right. Um, so to give you an idea, so for, yeah. you know, most of my life since I was, what, 12, yeah. you know, yeah. I've been a casual worker. Right. Was um, it your choice or you just, you just didn't like, or was it your choice or you just didn't have any I was, options? I just, I, I think, I think as, when I was younger, I may not have, have had the option, but I think by the time I got into my late 20s or early 30s, I had the options, but I probably just, it was the status quo that I would take casual work from different universities and just, and just, you know, work on a semester by semester basis. I never really, I thought, you know, I won't, I won't apply for part-time job until I graduate with my PhD because I'm not eligible. It was a misconception. Right. And now I have two fantastic part-time jobs. Right. So I'm effectively working full-time. Um, at two universities and I don't need to have had my PhD finished this is something that I didn't realize yeah, yeah. and that's a great thing I, I, um, I would say uh, because I know so many uh, PhD students actually got graduated with a PhD in maths but still struggling so hard to find permanent job or even part-time job uh, uh, simply because they if they if they're going to apply for a lecturing position like they're competing with so many people that uh, who are quite experienced in you know teaching space and if they want to go for research positions again they're competing with a lot of people with you know years and years of research um, so they've done um, a couple of postdocs and they've been moving around and so um, I know it's tough I, I know that it's tough for 
so many people, even with PhDs. I think the fact that you've been like doing all those casual things and you've been in the system and then you've improved your knowledge and your skills and, you know, system knows you and trusts you and they know that you can handle the, um, the you know, teaching sites and also dealing with the students and uh, other things. I think that's, that's, a, that's a very smart way of, of doing and finding job, I would say. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it worked out all right in the end. I guess that, you know, the, you know, 10 years of casual teaching at the university um, paid off in the end in terms of experience. So it wasn't time wasted, but it was job insecurity, I guess, and irregular irregularity that really was something that I didn't need to, you know, spend 10 years of my life dealing with. Yeah, that's um, true. The thing that's really, sorry? 10 years is this pretty It's long. a long time. I started lecturing. It's more than 10 years. I started, I started casual teaching for the university when I was 18. Wow. Right? So mm-hmm. I've been casual teaching for the university um, since 2005. So that's 16 years, right? If I've done the maths right. <laughs> right? Quite a long it's time. 16, 16 years in April. It was, yeah. Wow. So a long time. For, right. and not to be offered a, a part-time role right. was you know was not fair so I'm, I'm glad that I'm out of the casual system um, because you know it's very easy and dangerous to get caught into especially as a casual lecturer to get in caught into the trap of doing far more hours than you're paid um, some weeks I used to work 40 or 50 hours a week and wow. maybe only be paid at least on paper contractually be paid half of that time roughly yeah Mm. yeah huge 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 commitments um as a casual lecturer um you know you you know some days i'd 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 be rostered on to work two or you know one two or up to three days a week yeah but i'd be working seven days a week including weekends i I, I know i know particularly as a lecturer i mean there's so many other things behind the scenes that you know uh probably um admin people wouldn't um i wouldn't say they wouldn't recognize it but probably uh, you know they try to ignore it oh, i don't know that's my understanding that might be a different story but you know just emailing around and then you know it's, it's just you you get bombarded with so many emails by students particularly if you you know you, you're dealing with um you know you're teaching maths courses normally um minimum uh first year students 200 300 students and you need to deal with that you know and if you don't respond then they're going to start complaining so you're going to you know get stuck in um, other sorts of problems and who wants to pay for that yeah yeah absolutely and i think that casualization is is um is a, is a way in which workers can be exploited to work more than they can. Again, different institutions have different policies and um, Sydney University in the last year or so has started to really crack down mm-hmm. on underpayment of casuals and making sure that um, the amount of hours that they work matches with the amount of hours that they get paid. And I'm really, I'm really pleased to see the university is working in that direction to try and prevent the overworking. But at least, you know, five years ago or something, yeah, it would be very common where I would work far more than I was paid. Right. But not because, not, not necessarily because I was forced to, but maybe because you know, the demand from the students, like you said, was so high. Yeah. And also because maybe 
I have a very meticulous way of doing things when it comes to teaching maths right. or marking or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Particularly marking. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> All righty. So um, that was about pain point. Um, now let's go back in time. Imagine yourself being 40 years old. What would you tell yourself? Um, when you at that age, or what would your advice to be to your 14 years old age? Yeah, so. yeah, I look, I can remember exactly where I was and where I was doing mentally at that at that stage. And I, I would say that I had my head pretty much screwed on, you know, like I, I was studying really hard every day. My parents were quite strict with homework. Um, so I, you know, I think that, well, the, the thing is the advice that I would give myself, I don't think would be applicable to myself at 14, but it was like, if I had to give advice to my 14 year old self, it would be, I'm going to give you some advice, but it might not be relevant for another 10 years. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, because I think a lot of the mistakes that I made, which were not detrimental by any means, um, but a lot of the mistake I'm, I made would, would come, you know, in my 20s, I guess. Right. Um, so, I guess what I would tell my 14-year-old self is write these down. They're going to become important, but not quite right, you know, right away. Right. Um, I guess one of those pieces of advice, which I've already mentioned, actually, is about get out of the casual sector as soon as possible mm -hmm. you know you know as soon as you possibly can instead of working casual jobs you know get yourself one part-time job you know it's just the the security of knowing how much money you're getting paid every week is just a blessing absolute blessing yeah. you know and to yeah. be paid the hours that you're working is a blessing right. um get out of the casual workforce absolutely just get out of it i mean you know as a as a person in their 20s, did I have many options for good part-time work? Maybe not, but I might've been able to have found a part-time job at a Turing College, for example, right. you know, because, you know, I already had teaching experience by the time I was 17, right. you know? So, <laughs> you know, I think that I could have exited the casualized workforce much earlier than 34 and a half years old. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, one thing I've already mentioned. Um, in terms of study and stuff, I mean, I did pretty much the right things. I don't think I would have any, any advice other than to say, you know, other than if it's possible that you can go back in time and then the future changes, I wouldn't want to become worse at maths. So I guess my advice would be, whatever you're doing mid maths, keep on going and maybe do extra if you can. Yeah, yeah because you're going to become a great maths educator, right. you know, but if the future can't change, I guess I don't need to give any advice there. Um, I, don't know. Um, I think, you know, the advice that I would give myself is not academic advice and, and two really big pieces of advice yeah. that I would give myself is um, number one is I didn't make enough time for physical training for physical exercise and physical like, don't get me wrong. I cycled, you know, every now and then and, and, and stuff like that. Right. But as controversial as this is going to sound, I would have given advice to as soon as feasibly possible, maybe from the age of 16 and above, 
to start weight training. Right. Because <laughs> I feel that an academic life where I did very little exercise, I did do some cardio. I did, like I said, I occasionally did cycling. I occasionally right. did um, swimming and stuff. But this is all, all of that. I did Kung Fu. All this stuff is really cardio, right? Yeah. yeah. All of any exercise I did was very little. And when I did it, it was all cardio. Right. Um, yeah. The biggest piece of advice I would give is as soon as you are, you know, uh, ethically allowed to start weight training, start weight training. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even if it's just one day a week, yeah. it would make a, such a huge difference. And that's, and that's a, that's a big regret. Yeah. That, right. that I can't, and I can, I can never change that because, um, your body develops during that time. And if you just, if you don't lift heavy things and do physical labor, which I didn't do, right. then your body doesn't develop right. those, that muscular strength. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that I, I really regret, honestly, is, um, is, is with regards to relationships, in particular, romantic relationships. Um, so, I mean, this is a little bit on the personal side, but you asked and I, it's important, it's important advice. Um, so I'm 35 and I'm single, not married, no kids, mm -hmm. um, no kids. I'm proud to have no kids. Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have kids, um, but I wanted to be married, you know, and, you know, and in love and all that. And not settle down, but like, you know, that comfort of knowing that I had a partner yeah. since I was 13. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, so for more than 20 years, um, I've had relationships on and off since then. Yeah. But for 20 years, I still haven't achieved what I wanted when I was 13. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I think actually, um, this is, uh, this is quite personal and I, and I do get that, but I think this is a trap for uh, a lot of academics that I know um, and I've, I've met and, and I'll talk to um, simply, one is because of the work, another is because, you know, they're fairly ambitious and they, they like to move around and, and, and sort of they get, in, uh, get stuck in that trap of, you know, this work, work, work that, and, and research and uh, positions. And sometimes they don't have that stability that they want to. So they start moving around, change countries, change continents. And, and that means time you need to spend for. And, and somehow we sort of, you know, lose our ability to compromise which one is better, which I mean, or priority. And, and somehow it's, it's been like work and research. Uh, this is in the number one priority in our life. And then that comes to relationships and, and family and things like that. So I've seen it like, I wouldn't say it's kind of, you know, pandemic for academia academic you know people but i've seen it a lot actually i have to say that for me it's been the opposite problem actually right i in general put my relationships as number one and then right. my study number two right in general yeah. um so like i have always like when i was younger i was always sort of in a relationship ever since like I was like 18 right. you know right. ever since I was 18 I was 
I was in a relationship somewhere or another. Um, but I think the, the mistakes that I made are not particular to academics. They're just life mistakes. And, okay. you know, like, for example, my first girlfriend, I was with her for six years and then I met another girl and I was with her for three and a half years, you know, and then there yeah. was a period of break in between. If you add those up, right. that's, you know, 10 years. Yeah. And by the time I got to the end of that second relationship that didn't work, right. I looked back at my life and 10 years is gone. Right. That's maybe, you know, one seventh or one eighth of my lifetime. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. You know, um, not not to say that it was wasted because I did other things with my life. I worked and studied yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But again, if I think about my my mission started when I was 13, right. you know, yeah. that's that's kind of, you know, something that I get. Yeah. So uh, going back to my 14 year old self, I was, you know, I was very much aware of this mission when I was 14. Right. So, um, so was, tell me about, about that. How, do you think... Um, just um, the maths, uh, the maths stuff, or uh, like um, um, you know, the academic world, or these study things. You think this has been contributing to this factor, of, or or you think this is literally you or your? No, nah, this is just a personal thing. Like okay. at the end of the day, um, I just I think I didn't know or understand enough about relationships or dynamics with relationships between people. And um, that led me to make uh, poor decisions about whether someone is right or not right for me in terms of what they fit with my lifestyle. Right. And that's led to, I guess, wasted time from the relationship aspect point of view. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, um, that's the, yeah, probably the most important thing, detrimental thing that's happened in my life that could have been avoided maybe. But, you know, as a, as a, you know, as an 18-year-old or 24-year-old, I don't have the knowledge that I have now, I guess. Yeah, I've heard it a lot from, from different people that whatever we actually need in life to know, we don't get it from school. We don't, we don't learn it from... from yeah, and the thing is, my parents, my parents really didn't help me in this regard, to right. be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, they had their own messed up relationship, you know, yeah. um, you, you know, not, not that, not to say that they weren't happy, but they had circumstances when they were younger, which meant that, you know, they married very late in life, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that they were in a position to give me advice and they certainly didn't really give me much advice. And some of the advice that they gave me was actually very harmful advice, yeah. you know, and I ended up just, you know, doing everything myself, you know, working things out myself. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I do anyway, I, I guess I'm, you know, I'm still, a, I'm still alive. So I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> nothing terrible, I guess. I, I guess, but the, the know that you know that you're not the only one, and there's yeah. so many people that messed that up, and there's stuff that up because they, they literally didn't have the knowledge and the skills, or not, a, and didn't, you know, didn't have that good parenting things, or um, the school things didn't help that much. So, you know, it's, it's I think it's a, it's a at least you, you can feel a little bit better that, okay, I'm not alone in this race or game, whatever you call it. Yeah. Alrighty. So um, the last thing for you would be to do with your ritual. So uh, anything you, you do, particularly, um, um, I 
I mean, on a daily basis only, uh, it's kind of your routine that you think you get, you got benefit out of that and you think, you know, that that could be, um, that could be taken by somebody else. I do have a routine that I've tried to start in the last, like in the last couple of months. Um, and I'm not calling it a routine until I can commit to it for like a year, right? Right. But the routine that I have sort of started on, um, which has been very, very beneficial, mm -hmm. is um, to basically pick a time. Um, so... And, and, at the, and that, when I say pick a time, not randomly, you need to think carefully about that time and plan it. Um, but, you know, if you're a mathematician, then that's easy to do. Um, you know, you need to pick a time whereby at that time, you turn off all technology. Right. Have a quiet um, moment. No, when, I, when I say turn off all technology, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, um, I still... Uh, like I'll use, for example, you know, the microwave. <laughs> I'm allowed to use the microwave and the fridge. I do get that. I mean, phone, internet, not internet. Yeah, your phone, basically. Laptop. So, yeah, your computer, your computers, um, phone, internet, <laughs> stuff like that. Basically anything. TV. Has a TV, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah TV. Um, so for me, it's about 8.30 p.m. 8.30 right? right. p.m. Um, I, um, I turn off the TV, um, the computer, and on my, my phone and my watch, I put on do not disturb. I turn my phone over so I can't even see the screen. Right. And I put on to charge. Right. And for the next hour, I, ha I do not use any... Um, yeah, any technology right. at all, yeah. at all. What, what yeah, benefit? What benefit you get out of you know turning? Well, off. look, I mean, you know, you can research <laughs> this. You know, there's there's some people that say that you should do this four hours before going to bed, but I would literally die. I, like because I I work at night. Right. You know, I used to work until midnight. You know, and now right. I've changed my work habits. And I, I do get less work done now because of this, right. um, but I think it's better for my health. But the, the science shows that you need, you need to unwind right. your mind. It's your eyes and your mind, but it's more so your mind. You need to unwind your mind yeah. as you're going to sleep. Yeah. Um, so the other thing you should not do is exercise right before sleep. Right. Yeah. Because you know? it makes you, it then gives you more energy yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't so, allow you to sleep properly. Like one or even if you can, two hours before bed is to turn off technology. And like, I think for, for, for me, I live alone. I don't have any brothers or sisters. I don't have a partner. You know, right. my parents are deceased and my stepmother is living in Queensland. And, right. you know, half, you know, three quarters of my family is in Greece. Right. And then the only family I have actually blood relatives in Sydney is an hour away from me. So I'm very right. isolated. Right. So that one hour from 8.30 to 9.30ish, that sort of time is very, very quiet. It's right. very scary. Right. Um, but for me, that's a time where um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tidy up some things, you know, like I'll put the heater on and maybe I'll have a snack 
like not a heavy meal, but you know, like some yogurt or some fruit or some vegetables yeah. or yeah. some nuts, something like that. Yeah. You know, that might take up some time or, you know, maybe, um, you, you know, you can shave, brush your teeth, you know, stuff like that. Um, right. And then, you know, I, like I think if people have people around them, like if they have family or, you know, a partner, right. then the, the time passes very quickly because you can talk with that person, you can play Monopoly or something, you yeah. know. yeah. Yeah. You know, you can do that or you can just talk, you know, or, or you know, or lie down or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. But when you're alone, it's it's very difficult to when especially when you use technology for everything, for yeah. play and work. It's very yeah. difficult to do that. Right. But what I've found helpful is just to find a few things like if you need to tidy up, you know, do the dishes, you can do that in that last hour. Yeah um yeah it's and like then, it's like a kind of semi-meditation kind of it thing. is it is because it's very it's very very quiet very quiet and, everything yeah, very quiet. No, I do. and then um and then what i do is i go to bed and i will read a book or i'll read some anime some not anime manga right um and i have like a e-reader which right. is not like a screen you know it's yeah, like a digital yeah. ink right if you know that one yeah um you know so i'll read a book or read a manga um you know and just and then just go to sleep around 9 30 10 o'clock sort of thing all right and then i wake up sometime between 5 30 and 6 30 sort of thing right right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so obviously you know if you wake up you know if you wake up later then you know you would go to bed later but that's the sort of idea is yeah. You no, know, but just one hour before you, at least one hour, if not two hours, um, before you go to bed, yeah. just turn off technology and your notifications and yeah. make sure you just do not check your phone at yeah. all. Yeah. Alrighty. Is there anything else you would like to share with us? Something that really surprises a lot of students or any everyone that I tell that knows anything about maths education, right. I, I still to this day don't know how to do long division. Really. Yeah, wow. yeah. How come? How come? So yeah, and that's the story. That's my story. Um, right. Because I had a very troubled, uh, despite doing so well at school, I had a very troubled upbringing with my biological mother. Um, uh, she had a very nomadic lifestyle, and right. so I changed schools on average once a year. Wow, this is yeah. Old. Even even interstate, yeah. So I had a very broken education. Wow. Um, my mother was actually a, an educator herself. She was an wow. English teacher in Greece um, when oh, she was younger, right. before she came to Australia. Right. So, I mean, being academically well-performed right. is, is running in my family. But, um, and she tried to homeschool me when I was little, before right. I went to primary school. Right. Um, and for that reason, I was even accelerated in year one and year two, you know. Right. Right. Um, you know, so like I wasn't a genius, but I was always good at school. But despite right. that, I had a very tumultuous right. education where right. because of my mother's mental illness and her nomadic behavior, I was always changing schools. Wow. So I had a very disruptive childhood really? in education. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, and so, and then in my, my child, my education was so disruptive that even in one year, I remember attending two different schools. 
in one wow. academic year. Oh and in in year six, um, like when I was, you know, and I'd moved from the New South Wales system to the Queensland system, so that was already disruptive. Yeah. Um, and in year six, I actually, um, my mother and I were homeless for three months. No way. So I, I yeah, I missed out on um, three months, which was term three of right. year six. Um, oh. And then I finished, um, I finished the last term of term six and graduated when mm. I, I left my mother and I went to live with my father and my stepmother. Right. Yeah. So my mother and father have passed away since then. Um, mm. uh, my stepmother, though, is still doing well. But um, like I said, she lives in Queensland. Um, so, um, right. but uh, yeah, Actually, that's... Um, and It's very tough for a kid yeah it was it was tough and anyway that's the reason why I don't know long division I there's there might be other things that I don't learn I don't know um there's a lot of things with English grammar that right. I was not familiar with as well that I missed out on when right. I was uh because of that right. um so but in mathematics education I think the only thing that I missed out on was um long division Having said that, I can do polynomial long division. I can do long division of polynomials, <laughs> but I can't do long division of of integers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I couldn't do like three hundred and seventy six divided by twelve, for example. Do you want me to teach you? Like, like what I have to do is reduce the fraction so that the twelve turns into a six, and then do short division. Right. right? Yeah. Now, here's the thing, right? Yeah, in that, exactly what you said. Other people have said to me, including my students, would you like me to teach you? Um, and, and you and know something? Happened. If I, if I learned short division, I wouldn't have this. Sorry, if I learned long division, I wouldn't have this story to tell you and to tell others. Right, right. That's so, actually a very interesting story, like, like being quite successful mathematics yeah. educator. So, you know, like those rags to riches story. I mean, this is not quite the same, but it really, it it really is a the the omission of long division right. of integers um, right. in my in my upbringing in my education is right. it's it's a it's a sign or it's a it's a scar, but it, it has a story attached to it, and the story is worth more than the knowledge itself. I do get it. I yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 and it's a reminder cause I work in math support, right. um, and I've worked in math support for 10 years now, right. um, that everyone has a story and the reason why they might not be able to differentiate or know what Y equals E to the X looks like without consulting a calculator yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason behind that. And there's a reason why I can't do long division right. and there's a very good reason, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. actually there isn't a really good reason cause I could teach myself if I wanted to, but yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's, I, I it's know. a story that I love to tell, and yeah. I don't. If and I, I think it's, it's a pretty good one, and thanks, thanks for sharing that because um, I think it's a very valuable one. And thank you for being quite vulnerable and and you know um, show that aspect of life. Yeah, as well, well, because the students can. I don't want students to or anyone. I don't want people to get this idea that you know I'm I'm so successful now and I've always been successful. No, it's like I had a really I had a pretty tough upbringing when I was young. Yeah, um, yeah. Not as tough as a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still was very lucky that, you know, I had a dad and stepmom that I could, I could live with, yeah. you know, and they took yeah. me in when they yeah. might not, they might not wanted to, if they wanted to have their own children or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
after my my biological parents divorced. Right. Um, but I was very lucky in that respect. Um, but I I don't know why. Maybe it was because of my biological mother's you know passion for education. You know, despite the circumstances that we lived in. Right. Um, uh, and I think you, you know, come from that. that uh, is, do you think it's it's it's, um, it's also related to Greek culture as well because they've been valuing education and science and, and maths. Yeah, I guess they, they so. Initiated I mean, so many things, particularly in maths. So do you think? Well, I think it's related? like I said to you. It's not just Greek culture. It's everyone except for white people. I'd say that <laughs> <laughs> sounds so racist, but but it's but it's true. Like like. Almost everyone in the world values mathematics above and beyond, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's just Greek culture. I think that almost all non, you know, you yeah. know, non really white Anglo cultures yeah. really value mathematics. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah, that's, um, anyway, that's my, that's my little story. story. Yeah. Um, I uh, hope that it inspires it, other people no, that course, are really having a lot of tough yeah. life to um to keep pursuing their dreams of education yeah yeah i know no, i think it's very valuable and very inspiring as well um you know having all those sorts of uh difficulties and, and i'm pretty much sure it's been um, quite a tough time for you um as a kid it's it's very hard to handle that but but with all of that you've been managed to 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 be quite good at it being very successful and now you, you can share that story and inspire students that hey i went through that if i could handle it you can do it as well thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it if you have anything interesting related to maths that you would like to share with us please email me on info at bungeepie.com.au i would be more than happy to read through your comments or your suggestions uh, please don't forget to support us by subscribing to our platforms. Thank you.